One, two, one, two, one, two. That's working. Hi, everyone. It's the thing when you're in such a rush, such a tiz. Got an event on Friday, don't you know? So I'm rushing around and at a moment's notice. I try and go live and I don't set the microphones up properly. So that's what happened last Friday and it nearly just happened to me then. But as far as I can tell, you should be able to hear me okay now after that first few few seconds delay. Please let me know if so. Really looking forward to getting stuck into this topic. And for those of you that might have spotted it over on the old Twitter, I posted this. Was it Friday, Thursday, Saturday? What's it? It's uh, seventh today, isn't it? So this was Saturday. And tweets don't do well at weekends, by the way. But this one did because I think it sort of spoke to a lot of people, including those that disagree, of course. I'm going to bring that back up in a second because I need to dissect it. But uh, that's what I want to discuss today. The concept of brain drain in MSK practice. Thanks, Paul Donnelly, who's let me know that it's all good and you can hear me okay. But yeah, what, what am I getting at? I've, I've spoken before. It's funny, I did a live stream back before I had chewing it over um, on, just on Facebook four years ago, I bet it was. I remember doing something that was titled similar to this, really, and it was about some of the same stuff, but then but then um, there's plenty of additions to it in terms of on a, on a governance level and the politics of it and some of the forces that I can feel myself applied onto my team. Uh, what me trying to as i say feel the pulse of the msk industry um that sort of thing so i'm always weighing these things up but admittedly you know this is an extension people might feel like it's a bit of a broken record moment because some of this i am repeating myself from years ago uh, for those of you that have stuck around um since then and still are uh, listening to my my chatter um and the concern that i'm describing is that if there are more and less important roles societally for people with our skill set. So I'm being purposefully general and, and vague here, and I accept that then, you know, sometimes people feel that that's an overgeneralization and on, on whose grounds, who, dis, who gets to decide what's more or less important and stuff like that. It's like, absolutely. Like in an objective sense, of course, that needs to be something that we can have the conversation. But I'll admit that, uh, as, as those of you that know me, I'm willing to admit that this is my take on what is more or less important. and. I'm well up for, you know, I'm probably wrong on most of it, if not all of it, if, you know, some of it, I'm not bothered. That's that's just me admitting that this might take on the matter and, and come at me um, and, and correct me because um, it's a best guess. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong by accident. Okay, that's the usual rule around these parts. But on this, on this particular issue, um, I think it's important enough for us to try and unpack because if there are more and less important MSK roles societally for us to actually then raise standards in the industry and, 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 and actually translate what we know to better public health and, 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 and better injury management and pain management and all that sort of stuff. Then a mass drain from more important roles to less important roles, or in this instance, the importance is, is probably not the right way of putting it. It's kind of the, the areas in which there needs to be the higher concentration of workforce because some of the roles that I'm, I'm thinking that people are draining to aren't aren't lesser roles. They're not less important even, but they're just certainly in terms of number of bodies. They're kind of like areas where they, they, they needs to, there's less less specific pressure on that role to actually deliver the care. So I'll spit out what I'm on about because for those who aren't seen it, let me pull that tweet back up. Okay, so this is what I'm on about. 
So the tweet in full, the most, for those that are listening on podcasts, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just read it out to you. The most important roles in the MSK industry are full-time departmental generalists of three to 20 years experience. They're currently being offered more money, work-life balance and opportunity in, and then is a list of first contact practice, education, private practice. And then I conclude with this ends terribly, hope I'm wrong. So there's a lot of things there that I'm, I'm here to unpack, right? Um, and so I hope you can see that if you're watching, hope you can hear that if you're listening. Let me go through that and dissect it because there's a few questions and, and challenges I've received that I think are, are great and valid. And, uh, and I wanna, I wanna visit each of them one by one. So let's, let's firstly go to this, what's the, you know, what I'm considering the most important role, right? And why? The reason I'm describing it as such is because the, the rubber hits the road for me when you have someone of an appropriate skill set sat across from someone in pain with a musculoskeletal problem or what might be a musculoskeletal problem, you know, in a sort of triage sense, you know, in a, in a first contact type moment where it's the first time you're seeing them at least, right? Someone with an appropriate skill set sat with a patient and together in conversation, they bring out a full analysis of what might be contributing to their problem. And that is the assessment. And then for treatment, they together collaborate on a treatment plan that helps to plan their rehabilitation towards individualized specific goals to the patient's needs, right? So helping them, I'm forever doing this with my hands on it, helping them scale from where they are, which is the assessment of their baseline to where they want to get to, right? This is their, their specific, uh, not have to be specific, but their, their treatment, their goals, essentially their functional goals, right? And helping people to get from there to there. I'm forever saying, right? That's the sort of center of the bullseye for me. That's the sort of target of uh, those of you that have been on this show or heard me say it before about that's what I'm trying to do is make the care for the woman in Coventry better for those that know that metaphor, right? Um, in 10 years time, will we be better at doing that? That's what I see as being my best reading of the evidence as to how we can best help people. And and those in fairly similar roles uh, to what I've, I've trained in in MSK, typically in primary care as well, right? How do we get better at that? I see that as being such an important role. Now that has a, you know, I'm not describing any sort of seniority to that, but I'm just meaning that in departments, there are people that are working on that and it's, it's, it's thorough assessment and it's rehab and it's working with patients to help them get better and seeing them at whatever frequency is appropriate, be that weekly, monthly, fortnightly, I don't care. You then work in, in an integrated way with regards to hopefully better facilities. You've got some that are in a room and then you go out into a gym or into a space or you go for a walk with them or whatever, right? You're, just, you're training them, you're rehabilitating them, you're guiding their self-management, of course, as well when they're not with you. Um, but you're that you're doing the doing right that for me is where the there is a real collaborative process where you're afforded the appropriate time by the role to do the rehab right and i've i've loosely described that as rehabilitation as I, as i define right i see them as being super important but then there are also certain workforce related features or or shall we say job description related features that i put in that tweet uh, that then need need clarifying right so to cover my face once more with this with this tweet, right? So I've then said that those sorts of roles, I've said here, full-time departmental generalists, right? So 
full time is one of the things I've been challenged on and I understand why. And so I'm not for a second suggesting that everything needs to be full time. I've personally, I've, I've been in that in those particular roles, I don't think I'll ever, if it like maybe for th two or three years, I was maybe full time in them. So I'd be a hypocrite to suggest that that's essential. But what I'm getting at with the full time thing is there are certain inefficiencies to being part time that you can't always correct for very well. So you imagine students and new graduates, especially when you, you know, band fives are typically full time more often than not, uh, whether that's right or wrong. It, it just often is. And, and uh, we can't just always use the, the stereotype of a new graduate, therefore being someone at 21, of course, with mature students and the, the value that they bring, the life experience that they bring. However, to some extent, that's more typical is that you say your band fives are full time. If your seniors are all part time, and sometimes there's a challenge to the, the sort of training provisions of them and then also with students if students have um two or three educators then that's not always inherently bad but it just means if you're assigned someone or you're working well with someone then sometimes that there is an inefficiency to that now it can be corrected for really well and i, I really like you know it, it done properly then you've got no problem you know you've got uh, part-time staff working well with handover you've got part-time staff working in job share environments and so i'm not averse to it and also as i said it'd be hypocrisy for me to suggest uh, not but the sort of full-time doesn't necessarily mean better than combinations of part-time but in this instance i'm describing like the staple the backbone of a department really um are often those roles where they are in that and they are highly specialized in that role and it's then chomping through that working week now especially in services where you've got mixed you've got different clinics you might have some fcp integration you might have some advanced practice roles you might have people seconding into different roles that's the sort of thing where the sort of day of the week even matters you know if there's certain things that happen on fridays that don't happen on wednesdays but you don't work a friday unfortunately those things do make a difference and so i do stand by the fact that when i'm describing what i consider the most important roles in the msk industry as that tweet suggests then i would say yeah it's the only you know it only slightly edges the same thing but but part-time but i'm just meaning that there is something to be said in my opinion for full-time roles and that is me saying that as someone that is a part-time, a portfolio careerist. Um, you know, wife's gone back part-time after the kids and stuff. Totally understand all the variables that mean that you therefore would compromise the diversity of your, of your team um, detrimentally. If you were narrow and didn't allow for part-time, you'd be, you'd be stupid. Um, so I'm certainly not suggesting that that's like a key part of this this point I'm making at all. But it's just that there is something to be said for, for that span of a team. And, and and especially in a circumstance where, unfortunately, the, the governance and the, and the leadership sometimes above these posts into middle management, especially in the NHS, I'd say is wanting sometimes, means that you don't then correct for some of the inefficiencies and that your part-time staff don't get supported. I'm not putting it on them. I'm not suggesting that they deliver poor quality care. I'm definitely more meaning that, um, oh, what's this little button here? Oh, no, sorry, that didn't work. Um, they, I'm not suggesting you deliver poor quality care. I'm just meaning that the on a service level, I think there's some inefficiencies that are difficult to bridge. And those training provisions are definitely the ones that I think are, are interesting. Um, so that's what I'm getting at with the, with the full-time piece. I hope that clarifies. It doesn't mean you're going to agree necessarily, and I'm all ears and, and would love to have that have that out with, with people because I can, I can see my mind getting changed. I know... And all the arguments for, for sort of varied workforce on that, and I'm, I'm very sympathetic to them. But in this instance, I'm just meaning that there's something to be said for those full-timers that are then the sort of staple of the department. Well-balanced job shares, I think, is as good, if not better, in many ways. Um, two brains, of course, on that, and the inefficiencies get, get tidied up by that if you're responsible in a job share environment. The departmental generalists, right? So I suppose I'm admitting that this bit, it doesn't have to be NHS-centric, that, but it's kind of that... 
that you're not, you know, not a knee specialist, not a lower limb specialist, not an upper limb specialist, not a spinal specialist, but an MSK generalist. Sometimes that does mean that you cleave off hands and feet in some departments where you've got hand therapists and you've got podiatrists and stuff that work in team. And sometimes when you've got sort of toes and midfoot stuff, sometimes that gets cleaved off to some extent from a generalist role. But someone that could, could get a presentation of OANE one minute and the presentation of subacromial pain the next minute and then chronic low back pain three times over, of course, the rest of the day. That's what I'm getting at. And then I've arbitrarily picked three to 20 years. Three meaning there's a degree of seniority. So you're kind of within a role in which you're likely to be able to be training the next generation at that point. You know, you've, you've gone into typical band six at that point in MSK. And I'm also describing this as MSK practice, I suppose, um, as, as what I probably didn't clarify because I didn't have enough characters on the tweet. As you can see, we're, we, I've not even put a good space between, before the 20. Um, and also there's no upper limit to the 20. I suppose I'm just admitting you've done 20 years time served in a role like that, then you can go and do what you want. Honestly, you're a hero to me. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm admitting that uh, obviously you do what you want whenever, but in this instance, I don't know why I picked 20. I could have picked 40, but um, it's kind of that there's, there's some process of rehabbing that uh, is like a real sweet spot. Like the, the majority of people's careers get seen out in these sorts of roles and it's incredibly valuable. And it should be paid appropriately, by the way. So this isn't me just describing the most important people are band six. It's like, God, they should be paid at band eight for me in many ways, especially in the, as their experience and, and, and skill set grows. Um, but generally, that's where I'm, where I'm talking about so far. Um, so what I would, uh, what I'd like to ask you lot, hold on, if I'm asking you a question, I should look at you, shouldn't I? What I'd like to ask you lot is, what do you think, what, what's your, what are your instincts when you read that? Because a few thousand of you have read it, a few hundred of you have got back to me about it. But what do you, what do you think? If you're going to chew that over with me today, we've got another 15 minutes or so, and we can obviously bleed it into other, other chats in the future, but what is it do you think I'm getting at? Do you agree with my analysis so far? And then also, I'm about to go into why I think it's a problem, but there is an analysis there. There's me saying, I think this is the most important thing. This is a problem I think we're, we're facing, and then we'll talk about solutions. But what's your what's your opinion on it? And uh, and what do you think it is that's making me then bring this up now? Um, I mentioned in the title sequence, it's like, I'm a scaremongering you know, is, is this something that I'm saying is happening now? Is it saying something that, that could happen? Is it, is, is it me? I mean, I'm, I'm admitting I'm trying to feel, you know, attempt to predict. Uh, it's a prognosis, but it's a prognosis that comes from what I consider my diagnosis. So if you disagree with my diagnosis, um, then you're going to likely disagree with my treatment plan and my prognosis, which is understandable. But yeah, I'm interested in your, your thoughts on your thoughts on this. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw to a few of those comments so far. So Neil Langridge has said massively important roles. Without them, departments don't function, link services and career paths. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think that that's, um, that's a really kind of, that, you know, as, as ever, what's taken me a long tweet and, and 15 minutes of rambling. Neil's been able to summarize in a sentence because he's, uh, that's Neil Langridge, much more succinct than me, smarter than me. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Matthew said, no role more or less important or the vital and need to ensure that we have a sustainable workforce to deliver them all. Yeah, I think that that's something that I've heard as being a bit of a critique and, and criticism of that tweet is like, who are you to judge importance and stuff? And it's like, you know, especially because of people thinking that, that I'm suggesting that private practice roles, education and FCP, which I come to later, are like not important, unimportant. It's like definitely what I'm getting at is on that social level that how much we need to make sure that there's a concentration of the workforce in those roles, like the there's something to be said for doing the doing, a bit like what Neil's just said, where the, re the system, 
the system would be compromised by some of those other roles being lacking. You know, like the system is compromised by us not having proliferated an FCP model or, you know, that, I love that, right? First contact, primary care, physios seeing people with sore bits in general practice. It's like, that's brilliant. But without them, the system doesn't implode because it hasn't, because obviously it's a newish role. But it's like, that's just, similarly, we pay for us fund, pay for us healthcare through taxation in the NHS. If you've not got someone you can see the next day for an ankle sprain from a sports injury in private practice, which of course isn't all that's all that private practice does, and I'll come to that in a second, then th the system doesn't implode. Whereas I'd say the reason I'm saying it's the most important is because without it, then I do worry. That's why I said it ends terribly, is because I think without it, it becomes a becomes a real a real bother. Um, Neil's then uh, nodding towards some of the some of the solutions here. Career framework or lack of them do not cater for this group. We definitely need to get that in. Me and Neil have spoken. He won't mind me saying, I'm sure, about the fact that the, the sort of real obvious next step from the roadmap, AP roadmap, is to try and then move that into helping people understand how that will phase in different parts of their career plans and to diversify that. And where, where does where does further education sit in for people and stuff? And how can we make sure we support people appropriately? In those, in those roles so that they can then diversify the career if they wanted to, but also consolidate what they might love about their role without feeling the pressures of um, that needing to be where they need to go to increase salary, that might be where they need to go to increase, say, um, support or, or education or, or to further their own development. And, and, and it's such a shame that those forces, which I totally understand and accept, um, are, um, are at play. Um, and, and that's the thing is that there's no... There's no finger wagging from me about that. Um, now, what I will do then is just bring this back up and here it is. Right, so I want to just unpack these three things, these bullet points, whilst you guys hopefully answer my question as to what your thoughts are. Thanks to those that already have. I haven't come to all the comments yet, but I just do want to make sure I spit out what I need to for the rest of this tweet. Is if they're currently being offered more money, work-life balance and opportunity in, then that's, of course, a, 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 a valid reason as to, as to why they would move, right? There's no judgment from me. If you're being offered those things, then and also some support and all sorts of other factors and, and features there. Uh, I, think, um, I think what I'd, what I'd like to, to make sure I'm clear on is that there's no judgment coming from those that then do take that. I think I've got a couple of replies from people saying, oh, I'm about 18 years experience in MSK, but I've now left for FCP or something. I'm like, what? You don't sound guilty about that. That sounds like it's totally reasonable. Similarly, if you're like five years qualified and stuff, this isn't me describing like a, what I see as being sort of systemic forces, right? So there's no, no judgment coming from me here. But First contact practice is that they're well-funded roles and they're kind of rolling those out. And the, the talent that they're drawing is sometimes meaning that if it's done badly and, and, uh, and it sometimes then disrupts departments and we're hearing a bit about that. That doesn't mean that's inherent to the system because there's some FCP implementations that have been doing brilliantly where it's fully integrated into the system. Uh, similarly, what I'm on about with education is you've got a proliferation of different new schools as well as old schools that are then meaning that they need to boost the staff base because they're taking more students. Therefore, they're getting uh, jobs being offered to, to, again, senior clinicians that might want to go and be teachers and, and lecturers and stuff. And, and I know, I know firsthand, you know, a couple of uh, new new physio schools, 
especially then because a lot of teaching being done online and stuff where geography is less important have approached me and offered me jobs that i don't feel necessarily well qualified for i suppose as an online educator i can understand why they might seek me out or whatever but you know i know that um that if i was in a clinical role um as i as i you know was until recently then that drawing me into being a lecturer is, is obviously if that was my plan and that was my ambition then great and there's some great people in those roles but again it's just it's a shame if that option is something that if it's got a 12 grand a year increased salary attached to it as well as a better work-life balance and other opportunities to actually not stagnate then it's a shame that even a what sometimes people describe as being their preferred job they have to leave because they feel obliged into doing something else to support the, you know, themselves, the family, their opportunities, keep themselves fresh. You know, I'm, I'm certainly totally understand why they would move into, say, a lecturing role. And then what I'm describing here in private practice is that if if uh, those roles stagnate and that again you cannot be offered be offered more money and flexibility, etc., in private practice, then it's a shame because you know we've paid for a lot of healthcare through our tax, and uh, and it's therefore a shame if if the NHS's MSK system implodes. People have been saying it might well turn into a, uh, it could well turn into a like triage farm for for private practice. That's what people have said on the on Twitter. They've kind of worried that that might happen, whereby if we don't get the balance right, then that could occur. Uh, I've never really thought of it like that. Um, and there's a few people um, that would also you know relish that opportunity, but I think it'd be a crying shame. I think that people sometimes underestimate how those sorts of roles and those sorts of departments, both in localities as well as nationally for the for the actual where the majority of patients get treated and stuff. I just think that they're so spectacularly important because it's all pivots from that. Like in private practice, I see all these people trying to recruit at the moment and, you know, good on them recruiting however they want to, you know, they've got, they've got more patients than they've got staff time and therefore they're trying to boost resource and good, good on them. One of the reasons for that is because the NHS is waiting lists long because of, you know, the COVID situation as well as some of the things I could rant about, of course, with regards to mismanagement of redeployment and there's some FCP challenges that meaning that waiting lists are going up and we all know there's an inefficiency to backfilling posts, you know, a whole host of reasons. But when the private practices are, are employing people, they're often recruiting people. They're often asking for sort of five years qualified as being a baseline and stuff like that. And there's still some insurers that, that demand that of your staff when you register them with insurers, if that's how you see, you know, that's how you fund your private practice. Who's done the first five years then? Who's done that training provision, right? These are these are graduates that have paid for their own degrees often now, right? And so they're coming into a system in which the NHS is these NHS departments. They're not they're not just training arms for, for independent private practices to then to then filter off that talent and be able to pay, be able to naturally afford it more money because the, the middle and upper classes are able to afford to get their ankle sprain looked at from the tri, for their triathlon the following weekend. I'm, I'm stereotyping, of course I am. I've got to generalise sometimes. I'm ranting, but in this instance, the the, the naivety of if 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 what what would private practice look like? What would what would education look like? What would first contact look like if first contact practitioners were referring into into departments of which there weren't anyone to actually do what is being suggested, what is indicated for rehab? Then we know what happens to secondary care when that happens. What are the educationalists doing? What are they training people to do? And the pressure it puts on the degree to make them autonomous in full, full autonomous, not like pre-apprentice type, you know, going into band five roles that then are nurturing them and bringing them through. 
pressure it would put on those educationalists for the roles that they've vacated to not get backfilled because we've got a staff shortage. It's like, oh, what, what, what are we meant to do with that? Who's doing the doing? And then in private practice, what a nonsense. Like, what, what you know, is, especially because, you, you know, I challenge my private practice colleagues on this. It's like the amount of times I hear people saying that, well, they, 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 they can't, I can't charge our rates for a new grad. I can't charge our rates for a student. I, you know, we can't integrate those sorts of junior and aspiring roles really, unless it's a really unique person. And, uh, and I, I totally understand those emotions and feelings and that's business. That's a market force sometimes if your patients won't pay it, but what are you therefore doing if those departmental roles that I'm talking about implode, if the system implodes, sorry, or because those departmental roles we've had a lot of flight from, you know, that's why I'm saying it ends terribly. Now we can of course correct for it. I'm going to need to do another show on some of those corrections. I posted a list of where, where organizations and that I attribute the solution to, you know, that people designed to move and good boost. And I would say this, but MSK reform offering suggestions in that direction, uh, advanced practice network have, have done some great work on this. You know, it's been fantastic to see them uh, go to their stream at therapy live, by the way, they've done some great work on there as well, but the advanced practice network, what I love about what they've been doing recently is that everything they've been doing, they can clearly, you can clearly see their key stakeholders are advanced practice members, but they're, you can see the route to why that would bolster pathways and, and improve referral and triage and, and efficiency and, and they're really caring about you know that's that's just not not inherent to the their remit in a way for them to be as thoughtful as they have been about that and so i just really do applaud them for it but they're part of the solution and it doesn't need to end terribly that's why it's not as pessimistic as perhaps it sounds you know when i say stuff like that it sends terribly i hope i'm wrong it's like without change without reform right it, it, it ends terribly and it sounds more pessimistic than i'd like to be but i do think if we if we if we're not comfortable re-examining the diagnosis including correcting me um which you know, for, for the plenty of bits like this that i'm wrong and also you know holding me to account for why why you've why have you said full-time there is there some sort of full-time related snobbery going on there um and i hope i've sort of clarified that especially the hypocrisy that would be for having not been full-time in an msk role like that for years and even when i was it was only for probably three years of my career even doing that so i'm i'm not appropriately time served in that direction um, and, and so it would be ridiculous if I were to suggest that that was essential. I'm just meaning that it's this, that spine of those departments uh, for good and bad reasons uh, are often full time. So your thoughts, gang, I really appreciate it as ever. And I'm sorry if I can't get to uh, get to all of them. Um, but uh, thank you, Neil. Continue to 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 uh, to chat on this. He said he agrees about system support. It's the, so, so like training provision in practice, that exponent, exponential, I always do that, experiential learning and the ability to say, right, I've just blocked out half an hour for us to just go over that case. So let's do a joint assessment on that next week. Like, oh my God, like what, what on earth? I'm just how bad a therapist, how even worse a therapist I would be if it wasn't for those sorts of roles. Like, God, it's crazy. And he said, it's a great topic, important to bring it up. Thank you, Neil. And, uh, and certainly if you fancy un unpacking this in future weeks and stuff, we'll try and see if we can do another tune it over together because I know this is close to your heart. So I'm really pleased to have had you commenting, but also we can get you on the microphones and we can discuss this in more detail because we're never going to cover it all in one, in one topic like this. Joe Turner, are there any other industries where the most skilled and experienced are part of such a flat pay structure? Oh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's funny because... 
we know all the arguments for agenda for change reforms and banding and and the um rationale for that i think that once you've not got that obvious place to climb then i find it to be a really frustrating thing and it's a it's a thing that most one of the things that most admittedly confronts my politics is the factor that in the public sector in our industry you've got such a diverse skill set and such variation in in, in in care quality as well is that and you've not got a mechanism to appropriately increasingly fewer mechanisms as a leader to reward those that are doing really well and to not punish but at least you know it's like carrots one place and lack of carrots at the very least but then also yeah some sanctions or sanctions that aren't just onerous training provision uh, on those that are underperforming and, and that's not on style of practice and things like that i'm just meaning those that are chasing that functional person-centered rehab compared to those that are just cookie cutting recipes and, and, and leaving five minutes before there are a lot of time and wrapping things up or doing passive interventions so they can get another cuppa in and take a phone private phone call and stuff you know i'm i'm, I'm stereotyping either angle there in terms of the spectrum but as a general rule it's a shame because often they're on the same if they're on the same pair band and they climb the same way and stuff it's just that those things are, are a shame i don't know if that's exactly what you're talking about joe there i might have just taken a uh, taken what you've taken an inch and uh, sorry you gave an inch and i took a mile but there is something quite flat about it and i think that goes beyond pay which concerns me and so uh so yeah i'll uh, i'm sorry if i've just butchered that comment but um i'm definitely uh, definitely passionate about the fact that that is a problem and it bothers me in, in many different ways uh does that um paul donnelly suggests it's a funding issue oh, there we are funding funding issue and he sees it in neuro rehab there's a real cliff edge post acute phase yeah you see that don't you whereby different places and different phases you've got different cliff edges whereby then it's 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 private or poor um, which is just not it's not fair it's not just it's not what we pay for um and so yeah that's one of the things that's a, a fascinating thing and he's mentioning here cross-culturally into into uh, into say france for crossing borders sorry into france um so yeah really interesting points i'm sorry i notice i'm over time here and i know my office is required by some of our students funnily enough who are doing some uh, phone calls um so they need the studio so i need to clear off but thank you so much joe turner said yes it's not hard Sorry, it's hard not to have your ambitions squashed. It is, and um, and how gutting that is. Now, there's been some great examples. So people, it's always hard. On Twitter, for, you know, it's hard for me to know. Sometimes I'll put something like that out, and I get a comment, and I get a comment that I really like, but it's hard to know whether or not that's them thinking that they're countering my point or whether they're actually like adding suggested solutions to it so i've had some people that have said well in my department we do this 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 or my fcp job is inter integrated like this or i've got a part-time clinical academic role and and i'm just like yeah those are to me those are like the solutions to it and then i pause for a second and go like oh are these people thinking that they're countering my point like they're saying that which is fine i'm just meaning that i want to approach it appropriately like if they've if they're like i've got a bone to pick with that analysis jack then it'd be good about trying and get them on the show and stuff or is it that they're saying uh, yeah and here's a, here's a suggested solution now my outcome probably should still be like let's get them on the show or let's talk about it and stuff if i had the time i'd, 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 I'd uh, ask them the questions directly but it's been a busy busy post and a busy week so if you haven't already noticed we've got therapy live this this uh this wednesday wednesday bloody hell this uh friday so please do join us there i'm sorry i've gone over time uh, on this uh, but really enjoyed it it's a really interesting topic and one that we will visit another time uh, but in the meantime uh, join us tomorrow 
what day is it? Oh, it'd be Leanne will be on tomorrow. So Leanne Antoine, uh, she's doing a, her guest host of Tune It Over, and she's always always brilliant. I certainly will be tuning in, but I'll be tuning in with the babies that I pick up from nursery on, on Tuesdays. That's why you get an upgrade, you get a guest host. But also, Leanne is going to be one of our moderator team on Friday, um, so I'm really excited to, to bring you what is the biggest thing we've ever done. 10 sessions, 10 sessions, 100 sessions, 10 streams of education. So very exciting. Thanks to all the speakers that have been involved in that. And so do tune in for Leanne. I've just noticed her little graphic, but this is what you've got tomorrow. So Leanne's takeover in purple, distinct physio uh, tomorrow at the same time. But, but until then, goodbye, and I'll see you on Wednesday, where me and Joe Turner are going to get stuck into Wellbeing Wednesday. It's a rather frantic time for us all in prep for some brilliant sessions she's got planned for me have at Therapy Live on Friday. So see you there. Cheers, guys. Thank you.